We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. We say hello to those that are joining us um, live streaming tonight. This is a, one of my favorite passages, and if you know me, uh, I say that about all of them. But it, this is a story of something Jesus did that we readily will say uh, is a miracle. A miracle is, is a sign. It is a supernatural event that does not take place all the time. It wouldn't be called a miracle if it was. It is something that Jesus can do because he is the co-creator of the universe. He is all-powerful and there, he has no limitations. It's not something that you and I can do on our own. I've tried before. I grew up in West Texas. We were out in the country a lot. We were on lakes a lot. And if you step out of the boat, uh, I can assure you that most of the time something's going to happen. Jesus, in this story, is going to walk on the water. And we're going to look tonight, and, and I hope it will be encouraging to you. I've prayed much that, that God would just speak to us from his word, that Jesus can give us the ability to do the impossible. I love to hear little children pray, don't you? Because little children pray big. They don't limit God. And so this is one of those stories that we need to be willing to pray big. Tommy uh, and uh, Steve Levitt wrote back in 2012 a book entitled Walking on Water When You Feel Like You're Drowning. And many of you probably have read it. I've given uh, those out to a lot of people and uh, have read it. Talking about dealing with depression, anxiety, panic attacks. Tommy went up to Washington and did a, uh, uh, a seminar, a conference on that. And and he has spoken in transparency much about his life when all of a sudden, out of the blue, for no reason that he knew on his own, this monster called depression attacked him. And that's what it's like. Anxiety and panic attacks, they come seemingly out of nowhere. And depression, full-blown depression... It's like it's an, it's an ET, it's an extraterrestrial being that has entered into our world. And there are circumstances, we can cause things in our lives, we can make things happen. But there are some times when uh, beyond our control, without our knowledge, God allows something to take place. The Bible talks about here in verse 45, immediately, has anybody been counting? I told you to count the number of times in the Gospel of Mark that he uses that word immediately. And every time I see it, I, I picture him just as a, a full energetic guy that wants to tell you the story. And we did this and we did this and, and immediately, this is number 23, if you're counting. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethsaida where he himself was sending the crowd away. Now this is opposite from what happens a lot of times. A lot of times Jesus had been so bombarded so busy, he didn't even have time to eat many times. Crowds f followed him, wanting the miracles that he could do, that the disciples would send Jesus away first, they would deal with the crowd, but this is an opposite situation. I think it's very fitting because we're gonna see something Jesus does for us that I wonder if you realize and I wonder if you thanked him for it lately. Jesus made his disciples get in the boat. You go ahead to the other side to Bethsaida. He himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, uh, have you seen somebody that might be a speaker for an event or uh, Becky, you have spoken for ladies' events. 
People want to talk to you after it, don't they? And sometimes it's hard to get away. It's hard to get away. Tommy went uh, down and preached uh, for Tony Evans Church one time at Oak Cliff. And I think about 2.30 or 3, somebody finally, somebody came and got him and said, it's time for him to go. Because they want to talk and they want, they want to see you and they want to, they want to shake your hand. Well, he turned the crowd away, bid them farewell, and he left for the mountain to pray. Context. What has just happened in the Gospel of Mark? Jesus has fed 5,000 men, and that's not counting the women and children, in a miraculous event, multiplying fish and loaves. Do you think the people understood what happened there that day? The last of this passage is going to tell us they didn't. They, they knew that they were hungry. They got filled. Uh, a miracle must have taken place, but they didn't see the impact that Jesus is the son of God, the long awaited Messiah of, of the Jews. He is all powerful. He can do anything. He can meet any need. And he knows what you and I need before we even ask him. This last week I was praying and I was just uh, talking to the Lord about different things. And it was almost as though before I could even pray something, it was like a, a, a loving big brother and God the Father almost saying to you, I already know, I already know. And he does, doesn't he? Psalm 139, he knows our thoughts before we even have those. He knows our uprising, our down city, he knows everything about us. And so every one of you here tonight and those of you listening uh, online, Jesus knows where we are. And aren't you glad? You may say, I don't have anybody. My family's gone. There are some people in circumstances that are not blessed with many family and friends around them. Well, I want you to know, if that's the case for you, Jesus knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows how you feel. He knows what you need. He knows your victories, the good things that are happening, and he knows your tough times. In this passage, there's something so wonderful you can hold on to. And that's what I pray we'll leave tonight. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. Jesus often did that. But there was an unexplained urgency about this crowd. A lot of times the crowds were around Jesus. But now, I think it was because many of them believed he was the Messiah. And they wanted him to hurry up and make it known. In fact, the crowds were trying to take Jesus and force him to be the king. What was Israel waiting on? We want that Messiah to come and whip these Romans, drive them out of the land and rule like David did. And that's not what Jesus was coming to do. So there was an urgency here by the crowd. One commentator called it the messianic enthusiasm. Somebody gets so excited, they wanna help God along a little bit. You've never been there before, have you? No, we try to help him a lot of the times, don't we? God, isn't today the day you want to do that? Wasn't time for Jesus to be revealed uh, to the rest of the people. He continues praying till probably well past midnight as Jesus often did. But this night would prove to be special. He would often get alone and pray to his father. And I've told you before that Jesus had his one. That was his father. Jesus had his three, Peter, James, and John. Jesus had his 12, the apostles. Jesus had his 70 that he sent out. Jesus had his 120 waiting for him at Pentecost. And he had the multitudes and up to the, to the uttermost parts of the earth. You and I need those same things, by the way. We need our one. 
Christ needs to be first in our life. We need our three. Ladies, you need three solid sisters in Christ that will, will do battle with you. You can call any time, day or night. They're not only on your speed dial, but you've worn that button out because you've called them so many times. Men, we need the same. We need our three. We need our 12. That's our small group. We need our 70 that is sent out. That's an SBF, a group on Sunday morning. We need our 120. That's our church. And we need to be going out to the world, to the multitude. So Jesus often went to go pray, and he often went on a mountain. He, why would he go to a mountain? I think about scriptures. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. One time in the Old Testament, the enemies of God fighting against God uh, boasted, and they said, he's just a God of the hills and not the valleys. Oh, God's a God of everything, the mountains and the valleys and everywhere in between. But there's something about going to the top of the hill. Uh, I just got back a week or so ago from, from Gettysburg, I, I think I told you, and we did a, a conference there, walked the, the battlefields that took place those three days. Um, we looked at places on the, the, that battlefield that was called the high ground. And both sides of the fighting wanted to capture the high ground. You've probably heard that much in military conversation. Why would they want the high ground? Well, you can see. You can see what's going on all below you. Those that might be fighting in the battle below you can look up to the high ground and they can see you standing strong. I think about Moses when he stood on the mountain. You remember holding the, the rod of God and Joshua could look up there and Moses could direct him and he could see the rod of God was in place. The high ground, there's value there. There is, there's gravity. In, in warfare a long time ago, it was an advantage to be able to shoot down. Is it easier to fight down or is it easier to fight up a hill? When I went to Normandy a couple years ago and I saw the cliffs that some of our fighting men had to, to climb up, uh, it was incredible. I don't know how they did that. The high ground, there's value. I want you to think about our high ground, and that's this Bible. This is our high ground. Those military leaders would say, capture the high ground and hold on to it. Do not give up the high ground. This Bible is, is our high ground. It's the high ground of the church, God's word and his will, and we need to stand firm on it. It was also a place of communication. You could direct the battle from the high ground. God's word gives us the answers that we need to our lives. So get the picture. Jesus has been with the crowds and the disciples. They have, he finally sent the disciples, go across the, the, the sea. I'm gonna meet you there. Uh, he sends the crowd away and he goes up to pray to God. I don't know what he prayed that night, but something great happened in just a few minutes. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea. Now that's about three or four miles out of where they were. John six nineteen tells us. And he was alone on the land. Seeing them, I want you to notice that. Those words are in there very, very importantly. Jesus saw his disciples. Even though he went up on the mountain to pray to God, he was not aloof. He was not separated. He was not blind to what his people were going through. I talked with an atheist one time and 
he began our lunch meeting as an atheist. He, he, he said maybe there's a clockmaker by the time we got through our, our lunch and before we had our dessert, he was leaning a little bit toward maybe believing. And I pray for him all the time. I look for him to come back through the church doors, I pray, as a saved young man. God is not a clockmaker. He didn't wind up all of creation after he created it and gone, gone on vacation somewhere and said, hope everything works out for you. That's not our God. In fact, Jesus said the father sees a sparrow that falls to the ground. Jesus sees what his disciples are going through. And I just, I just want to stop for just a second and say it one more time. No matter who you are, whether we know you, this is the first time you've ever been to the service at night, or you've been here a lot longer than anyone else. Ladies, God knows what you're going through. He knows what it's like, the, the struggles you have. He knows what it's like, the prayers you're praying. He knows what it's like with children and grandchildren. He knows what it's like in hopes of relationships if you're not married. He knows what it's like with school. He knows what it's like in your work. He knows everything that you're going through. I just want to encourage you. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to talk to him. And just because it may seem like he's up on a mountain far off doesn't mean that he doesn't see you. Men, you are going through some things. I know you are. We all do. There is no place you can be. You may say, nobody knows. Talk with a man in seminary one time and he said, most of our staff lives two different lives. Most of our staff lives two different lives. They live one way at church and they live a different way when no one else knows them. Guys, Jesus knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows where we are, what we do. He knows all the good things and he loves us. So wherever you are right now, just like Jesus was on that mountain, but he said, I can see you. And notice what they were going through. Seeing them straining at the oars. The Greek word that is there is about this long, so I didn't write it down and I won't pronounce it. But it means to torture. It means like torment. They were rowing so hard against those waves. And if you've ever been on the Sea of Galilee, you know those waves can come up in a second. It is incredible. It can be calm seas and all of a sudden the, the winds just whip up and you have a storm. They were rowing and rowing and it was torment. It was hurting their arms and their muscles and that's what that literally means there. Straining at the oars. Is life like that sometimes? Is life like that? Are we straining at the oars sometimes? We're struggling and struggling. I know some people right now that are struggling financially and we all just ought to get together and help them every way we can. Some are struggling physically with illnesses that have come and they, they don't know what they're gonna do about those things. Uh, some of my good friends right now I've seen lately are, are, just, are just trusting God through some very, very serious illnesses. God knows the struggles that we have. And I'm not just gonna talk about all the, the bad stuff here tonight, but I want you to see Jesus, even though he's up on the mountain, knew where they were, he saw what they were going through, and it says, for the wind was against them. There's a lot in our world that's against us today, isn't there? Young people, I, I look at some of these young adults over here tonight, and I, I, I get excited because God has great things. He's already doing in your lives, but he has 
plans for each one of you. And don't let anything rob you of that. This is our generation to come. This is our future. And we've got some fine young adults that are going to be coming in our paths. But they're going to know some struggles. They're going to know some struggles. Uh, That little grandson of mine, 11 months old, and he's just about ready to start walking. But guess what happens when you start walking? You fall down a lot. And uh, you know, I'm Papa, so I want to go and I want to just grab him. I want to go and I'll walk with him and I'll just walk with him the rest of his life so he doesn't have to fall down. Isn't that smart? Right before I came up here to preach tonight, our son, who is good about sending pictures, was talking about something Luca was doing. Luca was crawling through a little tunnel he'd made, but he'd put one of his toys at the end so he couldn't get out. Well, I'm the one that says, get that toy out of there. Get my grandson out of there. And I saw my wife, Holly, say, live and learn, live and learn. She's a whole lot better at it than I am because there's struggles. If he's going to learn to walk and run and take care of himself, he's got to go through those struggles. And one of the greatest things Tommy Nelson has ever said, I believe, to me personally and to you, you and I as part of the church is struggle, but struggle well. Struggle well. They're struggling And it says the wind was against them at about the fourth watch. That's between three in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. uh, The fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Now get the picture. They are in torment. They are trying their best to get to the other side. When I was a teenager, I went out with my friend on the, the lake where we grew up. Little, his granddad's little boat, and I was driving it, and and the wind started getting up. And all I could remember was that um, some young people that were my older brother's age had drowned in that lake one time. And I thought, how terrible that was. Well, here I was, a young teenager, and the boat got stuck on low idle. I don't know why. I could not make it go any faster. And the wind was getting up, and the wind was getting up, and it was pushing against us. And, and uh, to this day, I can still remember the thoughts that I had. Are we going to make it? Are we going to be able to get back to shore, get back to safety? Jesus is looking at the disciples and they feel the same. The winds are contrary against them. They're living in, it's in the middle of the night. We're living through some dark times right now, aren't we? But don't leave yet. Hold on to the rest of the story. The psalmist said, I had fainted or despaired unless, you feel like this giving up sometime? You feel like this fainting. I'd fainted or despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The psalmist said, I would have given up if I didn't believe that one of these days God was going to make everything right. You and I need to hold on to that too. He came to them in the fourth watch of the night. He came to them. Now, what is that next phrase? Walking on the sea, that's one of those Bible phrases. That's one of those Bible stories. That's what Jesus can do, but we can't. Walking on the sea. Um, You might have seen movies where it depicts Jesus being able to walk on top of the water. And notice what it said, an interesting phrase. He intended to pass by them. I don't think that it means that he was gonna just walk by them and not care, you know, what they were doing. Hope y'all make it back to shore. Hope everything's okay. 
the, the, some of our friends kind of treat us like that, don't they? Uh, not too long ago, I was going to do a wedding back in close to the hometown where I was at. So Holly and I took our RV to the state park. We were going to, we parked it there and I realized I better go get some gas because my pickup, you know, you know, the vehicles that have those lights that come on and says, you better get some gas, but you got about a day or two. When that light comes on my pickup, you better run to the gas station. I have run out so many times. And the, what I hate is I call and say, hey, and nobody answers. Hey, I'm going to get somebody. And I have to call my wife. My wife has no mercy on me at all. Could you please bring me some? You ran out of gas again? This night, it's about 100, this afternoon, about 102. We've dropped off our RV. We're headed in town to get some gas so we can make it to the rehearsal dinner. Did I tell you it was 102 outside? And we run out of gas. Now this is out in rural West Texas. You see a cow every now and then. You see some rabbits and coyotes go by. And I looked over there at my wife and she had that lovely look on her face, you know. But I thought somebody's gonna stop. So these, I called everybody in the town that I knew. Nobody answered. You know, nobody has home lines anymore, and I didn't know their cell phone. Tried to call everybody that I knew in that town. Nobody answered. Nobody was there. And all these cars kept driving right by us. They'd wave, because in West Texas, they wave at you. I still wave at everybody, because that's the way I grew up. But they just waved and went right on by. Highway patrolman, surely he's going to stop. He waved, went right on by. And it's 102 with my wife outside the pickup and I have run out of gas. It was not a happy day. I called my brother from another town and his wife came and brought us some gas. I think I probably gave her $500 for coming and doing it. I don't know. Jesus didn't pass by them just wave. I think he passed by them so they could see what he was doing. Now, what was causing all the trouble? What was the, the source of the problem? It was the winds and the waves, wasn't it? It was the storm that was causing the water to be dangerous. What is Jesus walking on? What is he walking above? The thing that was causing all the trouble. It didn't bother him because he had an ability to walk above the storm. You may say, well, that's Jesus and he can do anything. I want to challenge you here tonight. I told a young person this morning in church, can you walk on water? She looked at me like, you have fallen out of a tree. I believe you can. Now, you may never go out to Ray Roberts and get out of your boat and walk on top of those waves, but I believe Jesus gives you the strength to walk on water. And that's what this story is about. He came the fourth night, the fourth watch of the night, came to them walking on the sea, intended to pass by them. He's walking above the troubled water. He's walking above the circumstances that are causing everybody else to be afraid. He can give us that same ability to do that. He can empower us to do the same. When they saw him walking on the water, they supposed that it was a ghost. You know what the Greek word actually means for ghost? It means water phantom. A water phantom. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh no, it must be a water phantom. I would have been scared. What about you? They see something out there walking on the water that was not normal. Peter, James, John, Andrew, they're all, uh, they're all fishermen. They've been out there a lot of their lives, but something's different about this night. 
And you may be here tonight and say, I've gone through the same thing. I've prayed the same prayer. Do you believe something could be different tonight? Something could be different tonight. There's no reason for us to look at God's word, me to preach, you to listen, study God's word together if we don't expect Jesus to change our lives. You and I need to expect that when we walk out of those doors tonight, we will be changed, we'll be different. So here he comes walking to them. They suppose that he was a ghost. And the Bible says, and they cried out for they all saw him and were terrified. If you look at this same story in Matthew 14, it's almost exactly the same thing. I don't want you to turn back there with me for a moment. Matthew 14 to about verse 28. Would you look in your Bibles there? Verses 22 to 28 are, are almost identical to the Mark account that we have looked at. But Matthew puts something else in there, and I want us to look at it for a few moments. Matthew 14, verse 28. They all look out there. They see this ghost walking on the water. They've never seen anything like that before. They are struggling in torment, trying to get back to the shore. They are scared to death. They're not just a little bit. You remember those old movies? There was an old movie one time, and my friend said it for about a decade. Uh, in the movie, they said, was it dark? And the person said, no, it was serious dark. Have you been in serious dark before where you can't see your hand in front of your face? It was serious dark. They're scared to death. But in verse 28 of the 14th chapter of Matthew, we read something that is in the story recorded and it's about Peter. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, because he had said to them, it's I, don't be afraid. It's me, it's Jesus, don't be afraid. Peter didn't just take his word. He said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, Peter was always one saying something, usually before he thought too much about it. And I could just picture him. I'm gonna find out whether this is Jesus or not, because if it's not Jesus, there's no way that I can walk on the water. But Jesus says to him, come. Have you ever studied in the scripture how many times Jesus says come? Matthew 11, coming to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, take my yoke upon you. Jesus says, come, come and see, come and dine. And here he tells Peter, come on. Now, if Peter is gonna believe what the word of God says, he's gotta go against his intellect, would you agree? His intellect says, you're gonna sink. He's gotta go against his experience as a fisherman because his experience tells him, you're gonna sink. He's got to go against the natural laws of nature because everyone else that's gotten out of the boat has sunk. He has to believe that just because Jesus said it, he's able to get out of that boat. And I picture Peter going, okay, they don't think I'm going to do it. You just watch me. And he sticks his foot over there and all of a sudden he puts that first foot down. I don't think he jumped out. I think Peter tested it a little bit. I don't know about you. But he put that foot down all of a sudden where there was normally nothing secure underneath his foot. He felt something stable. And he took that other step out and all of a sudden, I don't know whether you look back at the other apostles to see if they were watching him. He probably did. Peter, in a miraculous show of Jesus' strength, is doing what Jesus did. 
Now notice what, what happens a little further. So Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now what was causing the problem? The storms of life were underneath them. The troubled seas are just like our lives and the struggles that we go through. And now Peter, a human, other than the Son of God, says, well, I want to do what you're doing. Jesus said, come on, step out of the boat. And he is given supernatural power to do like Jesus did. And I want you to notice clearly, this has been impactful in my life. Jesus got, uh, Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water. Where is he headed? He's coming straight to Jesus. He's coming straight toward him. And then there's that next word that shows up all the time, isn't it? But. In other words, but let me tell you the rest of the story. But when he, that's little H, that's Peter, he did three things. He's walking on the water above the circumstances straight toward Jesus in a miraculous event that Jesus gave him power to do. But three things happen. It says... When he saw the wind, where does Peter have to look to see the wind? He has to look away from Jesus, doesn't he? As long as he's looking right at Jesus, he's walking on the water with him. But he turns away or looks past him and he focuses on the wind. Men and women, you and I have got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And I'm talking to myself. We can focus on the troubles. We can focus. We need to turn our news off. We really do. Get you a weather app that'll come on and tell you a tornado's over your house. We need those, don't we? But we need to turn all of that. That, that is so, so uh, demeaning and it is so intentionally trying to cause fear. We don't tempt the Lord. We don't jump off the pinnacle of the temple. We do everything we can to do what is right and sensible. But we don't listen to the voice of the enemy. The enemy is the one, is the one that says, you can't walk on the water. Let me go quickly. He saw the wind, he got afraid, and he began to sink. Well, don't point your finger at anybody else that you might know. Well, that's what they're doing right now because every time I've been tempted to point the finger at somebody else, you know what I've realized? I better look in the mirror a little bit longer because I've done the same thing or are currently doing the same thing. Three things happened though. He saw the wind. I mean, he had to take his eyes off Jesus and he saw how serious it was. It made him afraid. He focused on the negative instead of focused on, Jesus, look what he's doing. He's giving me power to do a miracle. And thirdly, he began to sink. You and I will do the same thing if we take our eyes off Jesus. We're not in his word. We don't come to church. And I'm not talking about when you need to stay home, you do that. We'll bring church to you. But when he took his eyes off Jesus, he saw the circumstances, he got afraid, and plop. But you know what? That's not the end of the story either. The Bible says he cried out. And I want to tell you, I am so grateful every time in my life when I've sunk and I've cried out to my Lord and Savior because he's never not once been right there to do what that says. He cried out, Lord, save me. And guess what that next word is? Jesus immediately. Now, how far was Jesus from Peter? We don't know, but probably a little ways out there. But when Peter began to sink and he cried out, Jesus was instantly where he was. He is, will do the same for you and me. No matter where you find yourselves, 
you cry out to him and he'll meet you right where you are. And notice what it says. He took hold of him. It doesn't say Peter got hold of Jesus and pulled him up. That's what we try to do sometimes, don't we? It says Jesus took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you little faith, why'd you doubt? Keep, Peter, keep your eyes on me. Don't look at the storm. Don't look at, uh, at all the other circumstances. Keep your eyes on me. And he pulled him up. And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. The need for the storm was over when they got in the boat because Jesus is trying to teach them a lesson. I want to ask you in your life, have we done the same thing? just want to encourage you. When you find yourself focusing too much on the negative, seeing the storm and the winds and the waves, you don't act like they're not there. I'm not talking about that. If we focus on that only and we don't focus on Jesus, who's the miracle worker, the word of God who guides us and directs us in everything we should do, we can be just like Peter. We'll get afraid, see the wind, get afraid and start sinking. But if you do, just cry out. Just cry out. I'm amazed sometimes when you're standing around in a group of women and their little children are maybe in a next room next to them, a nursery or something, and their little baby starts to cry and that mama knows which one her baby is because she knows her cry very well or his cry very well. Well, that's the way Jesus is. You cannot cry out to him and he not be there immediately to help you. When they got in the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. That's the whole purpose of the storm. So they would believe in Jesus more fully. Back in Mark, uh, verse two, uh, it says, but immediately he spoke with them, said to them, take courage, it's I, be not afraid. Then he got in the boat with them, the wind stopped. They were utterly astonished for they had not gained insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. They had not caught it yet. This guy fed 5,000 people in a miracle. It's nothing for him to do another miracle. We just got to trust him. So they needed Jesus to do that. And by the way, in the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, the 21st verse, where this story is recorded, it says when Jesus got in the boat, the boat was instantly at land. You're talking about the best Uber ride you could ever have. Because the second you get in the boat, it's to the land where they were going. Jesus is trying to tell them, just trust me. So what have we seen? Jesus was on the mountain praying, but he could see his people. He didn't take his eyes off his people. They were straining and torture to them and torment. Jesus knew what they were going through. He decided to do something they'd never seen before, walk above the circumstances, above the storm. You may say, Mike, that's a great children's story lesson. How does it apply to me? Well, I won't tell you how it applies. I've got a friend named Brenda right here in Denton Bible Church. She worked in my office for a year and a half, and I've never known uh, a kinder soul than Brenda. She was positive. She'd been a school teacher for 35 years and, and David that works in my office was a school teacher too. And I saw them at their desk one day after they were working for a few weeks and I looked at them and I said, guys, I've got to ask you a question. Are y'all waiting for the bell to ring? They'd been so in a confined situation where at 10.30 you had to do this and the bell rang and you had to go this. 
that they're not in that anymore and they're just looking like, what do, what do I do? The bell's gonna ring in a minute. And they just both started laughing because that had been their experience for a long time. But I told Brenda, Brenda, uh, I just want you to pray. I want you to serve the ladies in the legacy ministry. I want you to serve in our class. I want you to, to, to uh, help me with events and Bible studies. And I just want you to love our people. Well, you didn't have to tell Brenda to love people because it just came out of her. For a year, I watched her life sacrificially. Guys, I want to tell you something. I could only mention something. And the next day, she would have it done to the nth degree. I mean, she'd already done it beyond anything that I'd ever expected. Touching people's lives and serving. And she's the one, by the way, a couple years ago, uh, or when COVID first started and we had Easter. Did y'all hear about the Easter caravan that went to both hospitals? A hundred cars with all the signs and we honked and we, we waved and we clapped for all those doctors and nurses. They came out of the hospitals and, uh, and I hope that some of you here tonight saw that. That was Brenda organizing all that. I said a couple days earlier something about we ought to reach out to them. And in two days she had a hundred cars thanking the first responders and those nurses for doing what they do. That's Brenda. I saw her pray for her children with a mama's heart. I saw her love her husband well. I saw her give to the church and I'd say, Brenda, be sure and turn in a receipt for that. I'd have to watch her because she and her husband were gonna pay for something else. I watched her day after day after day after day loving God's people. She would tell me about prayers that were answered. She'd tell me about what God was doing in her life. And, and I want to tell you, I was just blessed by a Christian sister in so many ways. I got a phone call. And she said, Mike, I won't be there at church on Sunday. I'm, I'm in the hospital. And I said, oh, are you okay? Can I come bring you something? When I think of that, I visit people all the time. So I think you're going to be there a couple days probably. What can I do for you at your house? What can I do for you? Can I bring something to you? And she said, Mike, I've got multiple myeloma. I was exercising Monday morning in my house and I just felt a twinge in my back. I went to a care now and they said, it's probably nothing, but we'll take a blood test and see. And it came back. They called her and said, get to an emergency room immediately. It was advanced multiple myeloma that had affected her bones and her spine. She had a broken back. That's why it hurt. They affected her kidneys so they would not operate properly. So she's been on dialysis for about nine months. She takes chemotherapy and about to have another type of chemotherapy, radiation and stem cell replacements coming up. But I want to tell you something, friends. There is nobody that can tell me Jesus can't give somebody strength to walk on the water. Because Brenda Doolin, with all of those struggles that she's going through right now, she made a commitment in the beginning. She said, I'm gonna follow Jesus through this no matter what it takes. And she's walking on the water. I saw her a few days ago. How are you? And she said, by God's grace, I'm good. You may not physically walk on the physical water, 
But I'm telling you, Jesus can give you strength to walk above the circumstances you're going through. You gotta keep your eyes on him. You gotta take your eyes off what's going on. You gotta trust him beyond what your intellect, your experience could ever tell you. You gotta believe Jesus is who he said he was. And that friend of mine, Brenda, and her husband and her family, they're walking on water. I don't know where it's gonna end. She doesn't either. But she made a commitment. I'm gonna follow Jesus through this no matter what. So I wanna tell you something. When I wake up and my back's hurting or my legs are hurting or I'm tired or something else, I look at myself and say, you, you don't have anything to say, brother. And I think about Brenda. So I just wanna encourage you. It may be relationships, it may be health. It may be mental, mental, physical, emotional, financial. It may be in your family. It can be with this crummy virus that's going around. Jesus is bigger than this virus. He's bigger than the struggles you and I are facing. And I just want to encourage you. If it's you, Lord, let me get out of the boat. Be careful because he may just say, come on, come on. But if he does... He'll give you strength to walk on the water. That's why our pastor, in the midst of severe clinical depression, could write a book that said, walking on water. You may feel like you're drowning, but Jesus can give us strength to walk on water. So if you're about to leave here tonight and you may say, I need to talk with somebody, I need to pray with somebody, I'll stay up right here as long as I need to. I just want to encourage you. Let this passage we looked at here tonight change your life. Take God at his word. Trust him. If God be for us, who can be against us? What weapon formed is too great for God to defeat for us? There's none. Can you walk on the water? If somebody asks you that again, you tell them, you bet I can. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Oh, for this wonderful story you've given us in the gospel of Mark and in Matthew and in John where it's recorded. I thank you for what you did, Jesus, that night. Oh, they thought you were just gonna walk by, but they cried out to you and you revealed yourself to them. You showed them that you are able to do things abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Oh, Father, would you do that for us tonight? We've all come here to church tonight with the things we're carrying in our heart and on our shoulders and on our back. But Lord, if we're carrying burdens that we need to give to you, starting with me, would you give me the courage to just say, Lord, let me get out of the boat. Let me walk with you above the circumstances. They're still there sometimes. I know it's real, but I know you can do the impossible. You can give me strength to do what I can't do on my own. Father, would you hear our prayers? Would you, would you let this week, if you don't come back first, Jesus, would you let this week for these people here tonight, those listening online, would you let it be a great week where we thank you that you're on the hill, the high ground, that you can see what we're going through and you'll come to us. You'll give us what we need. So please bless these people tonight, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.